<laughs> and I remember us being like, okay, what do we do next? We um, took pictures and packed her in the car and drove home. My mom said, okay, y'all got it. And she left. And here we were sitting in the house, in the house with a baby <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, what's next? But it eventually clicked and, you know, <laughs> here we are. I'm Jay Richardson, and this is my unspoken story. Welcome to Unspoken Stories, real stories of pregnancy, parenthood, and loss. So often these stories go unshared, but not anymore. Now it's time for us to raise our voice and share our truth. I'm Tatiana Ali. I have a son at home who's two and a half, whose birth was not like I had imagined at all. Parenthood is a roller coaster. From the joys of seeing your child grow, to the heartbreak of miscarriage and loss, to the daily challenge, just keeping up with them, to the laughter and endless love, it is everything all at once. So I wanted to talk to other moms and dads about their experiences, because stories have the power to connect, heal, and inspire. Today's unspoken story comes from Atlanta. We talked to Jay Richardson about meeting his wife, Tatiana, and the birth of their daughter, Tegan. So I'm a resident of Stone Mountain, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta. Jay has spent his career immersed in every part of the food service industry. I've covered everything from bartending to uh, cooking online to managing food service. Jay met Tatiana and they hit it off from the beginning. Tatiana Richardson is my wife. Uh, we met back in 2012. We had lots of our mutual friends and kind of hit it off from the start. They quickly bonded over love of family, fun, and food. We love food. Many of our first dates were centered around food. The uh, Taste of Atlanta was one of our first dates. And then we went to a picnic in Stone Mountain within the first week or two. Then different little restaurants around Decatur. So everything has been centered around food. Uh, I grew up in the West Indian country of St. Kitts and our Independence Day, September 19th. So it just so happened that um, around the time that we met, there was a uh, St. Kitts Independence Atlanta uh, picnic um, close to Stone Mountain. This proved to be a perfect opportunity for Tatiana to learn more about Jay and his culture. So we went there, and that was kind of her first introduction to, you know, where I came from. Uh, so she got to see some of our foods and uh, hear our music. It wasn't long before Jay was ready to take things to the next level. It was just around Father's Day, so I took both her parents, and um, we all went to the movies. Later on, Tatiana was cooking uh, lunch for us. We got into the conversation about labels and how to call each other. I would called her mother by her first name, right? And she was like, I don't really care for that. So I says, well, what about mom, right? And she was like, okay, sure. Then, you know, the same thing I asked her dad. I mean, what can I call you? Can I call you dad? And he's like, yeah. So then I um, turned on and asked Todd, well, what can I call you? And she was confused. She's like, what do you mean? I says, well, can I call you my wife, <laughs> right? And um, at that time, she was like just super confused. And then I got down on my knee and, you know, I had the ring for her. And what was Tatiana's answer to that big question? <laughs> she said yes. Yes. Time moves fast. And, uh, here we are five years later. <laughs> Tatiana and Jay always wanted a family. But just how did Jay find out they were expecting? I was getting ready for work that morning, and she popped in and goes, I got something to tell you. I go, what is that? And she says, we're pregnant. <laughs> of course, I was like, 
Excuse me? And she says, we're pregnant. We're going to have a baby. The news was fantastic, even though they were a bit older than the average new parents. I was 34. She was 36. The couple planned on keeping the development a secret for the time being. For the first few weeks, just going to the doctors regularly and getting checkups and uh, making sure everything was fine. And then we finally shared the news with our parents and friends um, around 11 weeks. Jay and Tatiana took all the soon-to-be grandparents and other family members out to dinner to announce the surprise. And what was the reaction? <laughs> Pandemonium. <laughs> Both of our parents just erupted. It took everyone else a minute to figure out what was going on, right? And then when they saw the uh, sonogram, um, everyone was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it did not take long for the word to spread. Um, her cousin was there, and she started crying. And then, you know, obviously her phone started blowing up as well. So, you know, my sister was calling, her brother was calling, and my dad was just, you know, everyone was calling at the same time. It felt exciting, and it was also good to know that, you know, everyone was excited for us and, you know, ready to take this journey with us. Mom and baby began to get regular prenatal checkups with dad in tow. Jay was especially amazed with the sights and sounds of the early sonograms. Put a little jelly on her, on her stomach, and then they start doing um, the uh, scan. Then you start seeing a little squiggly movement <laughs> on the screen, and they say, hey, that's a head. That's two hands. And you're just like, where? <laughs> um, so, so they see that squiggly movement. They say, that's your baby. Then you hear this uh, powerful, very rapid beat. Boof, 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 boof. That's the heartbeat. And the first time hearing the heartbeat, you're just like, wow. <laughs> wow. That sound was a big moment of realization for Jay. Really realizing that there's a life inside I'm like, we went from having tacos <laughs> to, wow, we're about to be parents. Like all expecting modern parents, Jay and Tatiana relied on technology to track their baby's development. We downloaded all the apps known to man for um, the journey. And every week they would say, you know, your baby should be the size of a peanut, the size of a grape, the size of a clementine, the size of an orange. You know, every Wednesday was fun to say, hey, you know, we have a little jelly bean inside. Hey, we have a little orange inside. And they pretty much told us, you know, what the size of the baby should be. After visiting the doctor, the couple learned that the baby's size was not where it should be. However, um, I remember going to the doctors and that size wasn't matching up with what we were told it should be. She wasn't growing very fast. For the longest while, she stayed the size of an orange. This was not the best news. The doctors were concerned. The doctors also diagnosed Tatiana with a condition that could be dangerous to herself as well as her unborn baby. During Tatiana's second trimester, um, one of the things that um, the doctors were noticing was that she had preeclampsia, which was a condition where her blood pressure would spike to abnormal levels. There would be some uh, swelling throughout the body, um, and make it difficult for the for the uh, oxygen and blood flow throughout her body. There were also some complications with Tatiana's own birth that could impact the current pregnancy. My wife was actually born prematurely, and her mother um, suffered with lupus from a young age. So I remember her telling me that you know when she was born, um, you know they both stayed in the hospital for a while. We knew the um, statistics. We knew that you know my wife at her age of 36, you know she was a little bit um, older than you know um, the average mother. The doctors were always peppering us with statistics, you know, telling us, you know, like, you know, at your age, you know, this is um, this is going to be a difficult um, pregnancy for you. And at one point, you know, the doctor was being so negative that we got frustrated and actually asked for someone else. 
We knew what the statistics were, but we were trying to be optimistic here. Knowing the odds, Tatiana and Jay wanted to focus on the positive. So they made a big decision to change their care. And working with a new set of doctors led to a new tone. You know, the other doctors that came around were more supportive of us, you know, and they were always peppering us with good news. They still spoke about the risks, but, you know, they delivered in a way that, you know, was more um, uh, receivable. Just the, um, the demeanor was much different, and so every visit was more common. So we didn't leave stressed out. We were still concerned, but we didn't leave stressed out. Unfortunately, the newfound relief did not last long. January 20th, my birthday was on the 21st, um, she had an appointment that afternoon, and we were going to go out to eat that evening for my birthday. The doctor noticed that her blood pressure was spiking and said, you need to stay in the hospital tonight, and uh, most likely until the baby is born. To play it safe, the doctors wanted to keep a close eye on every development. So Tatiana was admitted to the hospital at 26 weeks pregnant. While Tatiana was in the hospital, one thing they noticed was that, you know, the baby wasn't getting enough oxygen because of the uh, underdevelopment of her placenta. Um, and as a result, you know, they would have her sleeping on her side to uh, increase the blood flow and oxygen to the baby. Tatiana stayed in her hospital bed, and Jay would stay by her side until the last minute of visiting hours. And um, I eventually went home. Uh, our home is probably eight miles away from the hospital. And uh, every evening I was going there to visit, spend some time, and then going back home. Jay was getting up early morning, working his full shift, visiting Tatiana in the hospital, and then going home, alone. On the evening of the 25th, uh, it was a Monday evening, um, went home probably about 9, 10 o'clock. Jay wouldn't stay home for long. Around 11.45, she calls me on my phone and says, um, we're probably going to have this baby tomorrow. We, they're getting me prepped, but you need to come. And um, I said, okay, um, I'll be there soon, right? Thinking it's going to be later on today. She calls me back five minutes later and says, you know, by today I mean like right now, the next hour. <laughs> Jay arrived at the hospital soon after that call. Uh, so I got down to the hospital, met the nurses, and they had me dress up in this uh, uh, full-body uh, paper suit. <laughs> I remember it looking like a bunny. But I was so tall, it didn't fit properly. So they were rolling her down to the operating room, and she sees me in this too small hospital outfit. And she's already halfway sedated, but she's still laughing at me. Um, but of course, you know, I'm, 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 I'm nervous, I'm scared. I'm dressed in a small hospital outfit at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the surroundings were not what Jay envisioned or expected. Um, I remember it was very, very cold in there. And, um, you know, I could see the fear in her eyes. And, you know, I'm holding her hand while they have, um, it wasn't the uh, warm and fuzzy delivery room that we had seen in our, um, in our pregnancy prep. Um, it was a lot different. It was more cold. It was sterile. And that's when it started hitting me that, okay, this is not going to be normal. It was a cesarean section. Jay did his best to be supportive and positive. Um, but I tried. Remember, I remember trying to just keep her calm, and I, I know we shared some jokes. Um, I'm not sure if they landed or not, but <laughs> I did my best to just try and keep her calm while she was squeezing the, the life out of my hand. <laughs> and probably within 20 or 30 minutes, they were done. Then they brought her up and says, "Here's your baby." <laughs> and I remember, you know, within that first few seconds, Tegan's eyes were actually open, <laughs> looking at us. 
um, you know, in her curious way. Even though she was so alert and aware, the baby's small size concerned Jay. I was, I was really, really scared, um, you know, seeing how tiny she was. But I didn't want to take my eyes off of her. Then they whisked her away. They whisked me away as well. After I left the delivery room and, and met Tot in the uh, in the recovery room, I remember her still being somewhat groggy, because she had uh, passed out after the um, um, C-section was over. So she was um, in the recovery room for a good three or four hours. Um, for the most part, she was asleep. Um, and then after they wheeled her down into um, her room, by this time it's probably about six o'clock or so. You know. She was asking questions, you know, well, where's the baby and, you know, what, what, what happens next? And, you know, we're both still in and out of sleep. By about mid-morning, um, that's when she wanted to see the baby. So we um, took a trek down to the NICU for the first time, and uh, that's when she saw her. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, she was like, wow, <laughs> he is so tiny. But, um, you know. Though she was tiny and delicate, the new parents found a way to have close, intimate time with their new baby. They would allow, they would, they would help us take the baby out and uh, stick her inside of our shirt, just to get some skin-to-skin contact. Um, and it helped with, um, you know, just the bonding between, you know, Tegan and us as well. Uh, but, you know, we joke with her now, saying that we would put her in a, inside of our shirts just to continue that. Um, at first, it was a little bit difficult because, you know, she had all these uh, wires and tubes connected to her, so. Um, you know, the, the nurses would help us with that. They would tell us what kind of shirts to wear, you know, button-up shirts were the best uh, so that we, we can slide her in. And uh, we'd spend a good 20, 30 minutes just uh, holding her. It all took some getting used to. At first it was weird, but then, you know, we kept on doing it and then it started feeling more natural. While know. mom and baby were staying overnight at the hospital, Jay was home alone, waking up early in the morning for work. So I started work um, about 6 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, when I got up in the morning, I would, you know, give her a call or a text, letting her know I'm up, I'm on my way to work. And um, I lived, I worked about an hour away from my home. So get to work and, you know, we'd check in with her through text throughout the day. And then leaving work, I would stop at the hospital. So I would uh, grab something to eat. Jay would even bend some rules to bring a smile to Tatiana's face. Um, and I'd sneak her something, so whether it was uh, some uh, a burrito or some fries or something, <laughs> it was probably not the best decision I could have made, but <laughs> I knew it was probably better than the hospital food. And um, we'd get in, I'd get in the room and we'd watch TV, uh, Family Feud, or um, you know just talk for a couple hours. Then I'd head on home, tuck in, and then start all over again. These were not easy days for anyone. Uh, it was rough, you know, empty bed, um, but still, I mean, I was, I was concerned, um, you know, with her being in the hospital, you know, not sure what to do, what to think. But it wasn't long before Tatiana was ready to head home. Tatiana was released from the hospital probably two days, two, three days after the birth. Having family around was a huge help. Um, sometimes um, my mother would take her to the hospital during the day and she would spend the day there. Um, just uh, hanging out in the NICU, reading reading stories to her or singing. Um, she didn't want to leave, <laughs> you know. And I was still at work, so, you know, in the afternoons, I would also come and uh, spend time in the, um, in the NICU with them. And we did this every single day. The family tried to make things as normal as possible given the circumstances. We did everything from reading to singing to her. 
um, we also had a picture of us inside of her um, incubator, um, just so she can see us and recognize us even when we weren't there. Because, um, you know, eventually at night we did have to leave. <laughs> but they didn't let the situation keep them from celebrating holidays. We spent her first Easter there, so um, I remember us putting some Easter bunny ears on her and taking pictures. Uh, I remember bringing new outfits as she was growing, but, you know, every single day we were there with her. <laughs> the new parents stayed focused on the most important measurements. The one milestone that we kept on waiting for was for the growth. So we were always trying to, we were always waiting for um, the next pound. And every time she grew and uh, weighed heavier, we were excited. Then I remember there are other milestones, like when they would take the breathing tube out and she can breathe on her own, or when they took the feeding tube out and she can feed through um, the uh, uh, IVs or whatever to, um, to feed her with. And each milestone was exciting. When she was able to breathe on her own for a long period of time without um, any alarms, you know, that was exciting too. She was being bottle-fed because um, she was so tiny, and um, I remember there was difficulty with latching, um, so she didn't take to the breast at first. Um, and even the, the bottle was so, so tiny. And it wasn't long before the new baby had grown significantly. She was still growing. She was almost five pounds. Um, and I remember them saying that, you know, she's beat all the milestones. She's breathing on her own. She's eating on her own. And um, she can pretty much come home any day now. But that didn't mean they felt ready for the next step. And I remember us not being ready. You know, we were still scared. We didn't know what to do. The staff at the hospital knew better. And I remember us, us thinking, I remember me personally thinking, like, well, you know, what do I do with, you know, if, if you know, she can't breathe, though, you know, what do I do? And they were like, you'll be okay. <laughs> Soon, everyone was talking about getting the baby home. The first time that she was scheduled to come home, she didn't. So we spent another week at the hospital. And then they said, she's good to go today. Bring the, uh, bring the car seat in so we can do a test and make sure she's good to go. And we brought the car seat in, we strapped her in, she fit, and I said, all right, see you later. With a bit of trepidation, the new family headed home for the first time. <laughs> and I remember us being like, okay, what do we do next? We um, took pictures and packed her in the car and drove home. My mother said, okay, y'all got it. And she left. And here we were sitting in the house, in the house with a baby <laughs> trying to figure out, okay, what's next? But it eventually clicked, and, you know, <laughs> here we are. The big day had finally arrived. So after Tegan spent 64 days in the NICU, we were able to take her home. And that was just the beginning. And um, I remember the first time she started crying, and we were trying to figure out, what does that mean? And um, we started running through it. We knew that it was either going to be food, changing, or sleepy. So every time we was going through that, you know, check her diapers, okay, give her food. If not, just go to sleep. And then throughout the night, she would wake up. So the first night, we woke up maybe about two or three times. It was rough because, you know, getting up two or three times in the night, <laughs> uh, you know, your sleep patterns are disrupted. But baby or no, work must go on. So going to work sometimes was, was rough physically. And then um, emotionally, it was also rough, too, because, I mean, you know, I had to leave um, but my wife's home with a new baby. Luckily, I had the support of my mother, who came over all the time just to help. I was there for her, you know, as much as I could be. Um, whether it was bringing food, whether it was um, just, uh, you know, being comforting, a word of comfort for her, saying, you know, it's going to be okay, you know, um, not to worry about anything. 
Even though she was home, the baby's size remained a concern. We were really concerned about her growth early. Um, and I think after follow-up visits, you know, we still, we still are concerned about her growth, actually. Um, she wasn't growing very fast, and she still isn't. Slowly, they made progress in fits and spurts by trying all sorts of new foods. Um, so she was formula fed at first, and then um, eventually we started moving into foods. So we'd puree uh, different vegetables or different um, items that she could try. And uh, at first she had a voracious appetite, and then somehow somehow along the way it's kind of died down. So we're still having that what-would-you-like-to-eat fight. <laughs> Early on she liked sweet potatoes. Um, she liked grits, So um, and she liked cereal. So we used to... Uh, I remember we had a, a cereal mixture of, of, of rice cereal that we used to um, give her, and then we used to put that in her milk. Um, still, she loves milk. <laughs> so she has milk every day, um, and we give her a smoothie every afternoon of different fruit and vegetables. She used to like grits. She used to like uh, rice. Uh, she likes oatmeal. Um, now she likes chicken, meats. <laughs> and uh, she, she tells us that she likes salads at school, <laughs> but we don't believe her, though, because <laughs> we tried giving her salads at home, and she doesn't eat it. And they kept a close eye on her progress with the assistance of professional help. So the development doctor would test, test her um, movement, um, test her, her um, ligament strength, um, eye movement, um, and uh, even um, her mental capacity You know, to recognize different things. They noticed that one side was a little bit stronger than the other. She favored one leg for stepping and moving. She wasn't as strong as she should be with like her leg strength and her um, muscle strength. The experts provided some fun exercises to help speed the development process. They always tried to work on her dexterity, so they would have us do things like have her pick up Cheerios or um, eventually try to thread things, you know, like a, a, something small between a Cheerio or something larger. Looked at her eye movements to make sure that, you know, they, they can follow um, something that she's concentrating on, you know, work on this exercise, work on that exercise. She was developing quickly. Having grandma around definitely helped move the ball forward. You know, um, my mother actually stayed home um, for the first few months to babysit Tegan. And she was always doing whatever tests the doctors recommended. So she was working on her muscle movement. She was working on the hand movement. And eventually, you know, when Tegan started walking and, and crawling, she would play different games with her, like peekaboo, you know. Um, and uh, she would run around the room with Tegan and uh, have her doing different things. Um, she eventually got Tegan to start cli- uh, crawling up the steps, um, playing different games with her. So my mother was pretty rigorous with getting her to um, beat these uh, developmental exercises. For whatever weaknesses she started out with physically... Tegan more than made up for them with her personality and sociability. Tegan's personality started to come out pretty early on. Um, She was always smiling, in my opinion. (laughs) Um, She wasn't a fussy baby. Um, Very, very, very joyful. Very, very um, happy. Still have tummy time, even when she was six months, seven months. And um, she enjoyed being, she enjoyed cuddling with us. Uh, So... Um, in bed, she would worm up be- between us and just, you know, cuddle with us. The joy extended to the whole family. Um, by the time she was just over a year, she enjoyed, um, you know, being around her grandmother. Um, she started 
laughing at certain things and started crawling quickly. Um, they loved playing peekaboo, like I said. Um, and I remember my mother used to take her and show her different pictures in the house and say, that's uncle, that's your other grandmother, that's, you know, your aunt. And every morning they did that routine and she would start lighting up, you know, recognizing different people. So even now she looks at those pictures and says, hey, that's uncle, <laughs> that's grandmother, that's, you know, auntie. She started spreading her love for singing at an early age. My mother also used to sing with her. So from from small, you know, she was always singing with her, and then she started singing. So plenty of times we'd be driving in the car, and Tegan's in the background just babbling and singing different tunes. Um, up to now, she just starts singing and making up her own words and making up her own tunes to different things. <laughs> Even though Tegan had a late start, she caught up with her peers quickly. Her aunt, my wife's aunt, was um, babysitting her as well, and she would bring her grandson in. Her grandson was just a few months older than her, but he was already walking, right? And um, Tegan had just started inching along, starting to crawl, and shortly after, she just started walking too. And she was already babbling a lot, right? And uh, whereas her, um, her cousin wasn't talking yet, and eventually he started babbling and talking more too. So I guess that symbiotic relationship between the two of them, you know, uh, she started walking because of his influence and he started talking because of her influence. <laughs> she was just over a year. So she started walking before before 18 months. 18 months, yeah. How does Jay describe Tegan today? I would say Tegan is fearless. Very, very inquisitive and very, very curious and is not really afraid of anything. Um, I remember, you know, she likes going to the playgrounds and, you know, she doesn't want to do anything that's associated with being a little kid. Right. So she would get on the playground and get on the um, uh, the uh, structures and climb all the way to the top, you know, and slide down and want to do it 15 more times before we leave. Uh, but she loves to climb, you know, uh, and just not afraid of getting hurt at three years old. <laughs> In addition to being a bit of an acrobat, Tegan is a social butterfly. I'm very, very jovial and so is she. And uh, she doesn't meet any strangers. Um, so it's not uncommon for, you know, us when we're walking to the train or bus or just out about, she would start having a conversation with a total stranger about shoes or, you know, anything random. And she is not shy about showing how she feels. Uh, she has our facial expressions sometimes. So when, you know, someone might invade her personal space, she gives them a look like, hey. <laughs> the family is still thankfully celebrating milestones. Tegan just celebrated her third birthday in January. You know, I'm always still amazed at how far she's come. Um, you know, I have her first picture that we took. It's in my, um, on my visor in my car. And I'm always showing her that this is how tiny she was, you know. The fact that, you know, her wrist fit through my, my wedding band. Um, you know, I'm just always amazed. Tegan still has some challenges ahead. Um, so she's still a little bit small for her age. Um, as far as her agility is really good, so she climbs, walks, runs, crawl, you know, crawls sometimes. She goes up and down steps really well, um, sometimes too fast <laughs> for our liking. But she's making progress every day. Uh, I remember just even over the past few months, looking at her growth, um, as far as her ability to turn off light switches or reach door handles or even the, um, the railing on the steps, you know, she's gotten better at that. So now we're able to give her a little uh, chores and tasks, like take dishes to the kitchen and put them in the sink, 
<laughs> or turn the switch off, turn the light off when we're leaving our room. In early learning, she's head of the class. Um, as far as her school development, I mean, she's very, very smart. Um, we get videos and pictures from her school all day. And uh, we hear the teachers, you know, asking questions like, you know, having the students to identify letters or colors on the wall. And she would be one of the first ones to run to the wall and identify those letters. So from, a, um, from an academic standpoint, I think, you know, she's phenomenal. In the meantime, Tegan's growing vocabulary is blowing Jay and Tatiana away. It's still surprising. So because like sometimes she use, uses words or sentences or questions and we're like, well, how did you know to ask that? Or where did you learn that word from? You know, I mean, I, I know that we don't have her 24-7, but we like to think that, you know, she knows what we teach her. And then she comes home with a, a new word. Sometimes um, we do something and she goes, that's exciting, <laughs> right? And I'm like, that's a three-syllable word. <laughs> you know, why do you know that? Um, so sometimes it's just, just exciting and mind-blowing to um, see her mental development. <laughs> Even at such a young age, Tegan is showing signs of being a caring, thoughtful, positive nurturer. Just like her parents. We have a little garden on our on our patio, um, and we plant little herbs or um, um, vegetables. And for the past year and a half, she's been excited to go out there and water those things. So every time when we ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, she always says, I want to water plants. Consistently, every day, for the past year and a half. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to water plants. <laughs> she likes to know that she helps something to grow. So she likes, to, you know, she likes to go out there and check the tomatoes when we were doing tomatoes last year, and uh, she likes um, watching them grow. Jay and Tatiana's priorities have shifted. Um, you know, as we grew with her, um, we just wanted to be around her all the time. So even now, you know, we don't see her as a premature baby. We see her as our amazing little kid. <laughs> Four years ago, five years ago, this wasn't even on our radar. And here we are as parents and watching not only Tegan grow, but our growth as well has been pretty interesting. You know, um, our priorities have shifted. You know, the way that we do things um, from um, the restaurants where we go to eat to even our scheduling, it's all centered around Tegan. You know, so our selfless um, attitudes has been, you know, an amazing development. Thanks to Jay Richardson for sharing his story today. It is so important that these stories don't go unheard. So please share this episode with a friend and then subscribe, review, and give us a five-star rating wherever you're listening. To share your story and join the conversation, please visit us at unspokenstories.org. This podcast was produced by Fanny Co. with March of Dimes and Purpose. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Recording services by Creative Sound Concepts in Atlanta, Georgia, and Outpost Studios in San Francisco, California. Thanks for listening.